Fun. Upbeat. And relevant. Brought to you by Bonham Wednesdays. Hi guys, welcome back to Bonham Wednesdays. This is Jasmine. And this is Yanni. Today we have a very exciting but scary experience to share with all of you. So it's near midnight right now and uh, we wanted to go to some place quieter to do our recording. So we went to the second floor of the Menghua complex. Which I might add is part of the scariest corners of the HAU campus. It was really quiet. We were sitting on the sofa by next to two toilets and we were planning on our script and then suddenly <gasps> water noises came from the toilets. Like someone was taking a shower. And and then I heard some interference noises from the mic, which I don't usually get. At first, I didn't think it was anything because I thought maybe someone was washing their stuff or something. At this hour, really? <laughs> but then when, when the noises came back the fourth time and, and kind of becoming louder every time, I just got really spooked. Yeah, because it sounded like a water pipe just broke or something and that floor was supposedly empty. So we kind of ran out of the place <laughs> in under a minute and ran back to Elliot Hall. And we feel very safe now. So conclusion of the day, dear journalism department, we need our recording studios like yesterday. <laughs> and also never go to that place after night. So today's our last episode and we bring to you two stories, one on Hong Kong's trash problems and the other on how HAU students have been starting their own initiatives and projects to help people across the world. <clears throat> Jasmine? Yes? I, I have a confession to make. Let's hear it. I'm, I'm graduating in four weeks and, I, and I'm still very unproductive. I go online shopping, I go on YouTube, I read vlogs, <laughs> and, I, and I can't stop myself. Well, I guess that is actually understandable, seeing as I actually do the same thing. Good! <laughs> <laughs> but then, last week, I came across a group of individuals, students at HAU actually. They seem to have found better ways to use their time. Mm. So... We should probably learn from them. I agree. Let's <laughs> hear it. At the age of 22, Edward Choi is a final year psychology major who is also doing a minor in politics at the University of Hong Kong. He is supposed to be a cadet pilot, but right now, he finds himself spending most of his time on projects that aim at taking students of his age to Myanmar to build schools and playgrounds, conduct legal research, provide basic healthcare to locals, which are all part of the work of an NGO that he helped found it. Perhaps his story may sound like an unusual combination of interests, but he is not alone. My name is Edward. Things started two years ago uh, when I first went to Thai Burma border and I went there for teaching and after the two and a half month experience and then I came back to Hong Kong and started this NGO with a couple of my friends 
called Connecting Myanmar. So the idea will be simply connect the student from Hong Kong U to the Burmese student. I'm Angeline. I'm doing law at Hong Kong U. I'm in my fourth year. I started volunteering in Cambodia in year two when we came back. Uh, there was one, one school we taught at um, that didn't have enough money to pay rent, so we started our own initiative to raise funds for that. And then in, year, in the summer of year three, uh, Professor Ian Holiday asked me if I wanted to go to Myanmar because there was this new pilot project he had um, at the Yangon University of Foreign Languages and he wanted to get two students to teach there. And then obviously I had to say yes, right? <laughs> My name is Lu Xi and I'm from mainland China and I'm doing my final year study in psychology and I also do French. I think I'm a very adventurous person, like risk-taking one. I don't know anything about Thailand and I don't know anything about refugee camps so I want to surprise myself. My father was quite concerned about my security, like he, because you know, in China, if you get involved in radical political opinions, they would be in trouble. So yeah, his mindset is I'm doing something related to the politics in Myanmar and Aung San Suu Kyi. For him, it's then it's dangerous, and I would uh, try to explain to them what I'm doing, and it's not as dangerous as they think. At the University of Hong Kong, there are students each year from across the faculties taking part in service projects across the world. Some participate in school projects, others take the challenge of starting their own initiatives and NGOs. To build schools in China, to teach English in Thailand, to build libraries in Cambodia, or construct toilets in India. In 2008, Professor Ian Holiday, the former Dean of HAU's Social Sciences faculty, founded MOE, one of the leading service projects which annually brings students to teach English in China, Cambodia, Thailand, and Myanmar. I think campuses are an ideal environment for unleashing energy um, and directing it and focusing it on all these sorts of problems around the world. There was a lot of student enthusiasm and idealism here at Hong Kong U. And MOE was an attempt to put the two together. You know, how could students be mobilized to engage with all of the problems faced by people. It's not difficult so long as there is student enthusiasm. It's just a question of harnessing it, directing it, focusing it, and supporting it. And once you've started the ball rolling, really students from one generation to the next, from one cohort to the next, will just keep it going. As students return, some not only acquired a broader worldview and understanding of a new culture, but also the motivation to make a difference in places less fortunate. I went to the Thai Burma border March 2012 to prepare for the summer program in the future. And I didn't have anything in mind. But when I was visiting these migrant schools, I came across some damaged playground, but children still playing on those rusting and falling apart playgrounds with sharp edges everywhere. And some local teachers told me that uh, some children actually got cut on their head because of this rusting playground stuff. So I was thinking we need to provide something for our children to play, to play happily, but also play safely. So that's why we started to create this playground program and not until we finally realize this plan and I actually see the real playground being constructed do I feel the sense of satisfaction 
towards these children. To be part of a pioneering NGO may seem like a very cool accomplishment, and certainly something good to look on your CV. But behind the flashy titles and admirable stories lies a challenge to organize ideas, coordinate manpower, raise funds, and to implement feasible plans. That's something very new to me, to be organizer of a summer volunteer program. So I've been always the participants from primary school to undergraduate study. The experience is simply insane. When I went to the Thai Burma border for preparing the summer program, I have to work with the local people. Sometimes I have to talk to the students. <laughs> Sometimes I have to talk to some local teachers. Um, not only there will be some language barrier, but also the work attitude and some uh, cultural issue are quite different from us. Like timing would be one very good example. When you say let's meet at three o'clock in the Thai Burma border, so people will regard that as you can we can meet at around four o'clock. Not only because of the time zone difference, is because they operate in we call Korean time or Burma time. So people are quite flexible on these things. That's totally different and we have to learn to um, cooperate with that. And starting an NGO in Hong Kong um, is not very easy, especially for students because you don't have any money. When you create some program like building school, you need quite a lot of money and also some expertise. When you are just a psychology and politics student, you don't know much about building school. So um, you need to build up your network, no matter in Hong Kong or in Burma, to gather some capable person and also some donor to make this work. But don't worry, if you do happen to hold such aspirations in starting your own NGO, here's a tip from Professor Ian Holiday. There must be a very close awareness of what local people need. So we look at Myanmar and we think, wow, there's so many things that we could do there. There's so many problems, there's so much we help that we could deliver. But of course there are local people living there and we need to understand things from their perspective. We need to respect the fact that they are in charge of their own destinies and we're simply supporting that and we're trying to make um, as, as good a contribution to, to their lives as, as we can but within the framework of that they themselves have determined. First thing that any student group would need to do is, is some sort of pilot engagement. So any student group needs to dialogue with local people and that probably means a visit. I don't think you can do it by email or even by Skype show your face and to just sit down and listen. Not to come in with an agenda, not to say, we do English teaching, um, can we do it in your school or how can we Im implement this in your school, but to say, you know, we would like to help out on, on, on education in your school. Um, among the things that we could deliver are these, 
would they be helpful to you and how can we fit in with your curriculum with your students current progress with their study plans everything else as for the rest of us who might not have such aspirations yet i talked to dr elvin wong the assistant director of general education unit at the university who has been in touch with many of the student projects over the years too much information sometimes makes us feel at a loss right and i don't know who i should be who i am and what direction I should go, or should I help Burma, or Myanmar, or help Africa, or China has a lot of problems too. Should I go to help their water, to clean up their water? There's so many choices. If you feel like, oh, I, just seeing this picture, seeing this YouTube video, that you're moved by that situation. You want to help Sichuan, you want to help, you know, um, wherever. You have to find yourself, whether you are in this position, whether it's suitable for you. If you want to go to Africa, you're afraid of, you know, putting injections. You have to put 10 injections before going to Africa, for example, then think twice. Or then maybe another country need to do more. I'm not saying that we have to find a comfort zone, really, really comfort zone that I help them. And at the same time, I can also enjoy my you know, existing life. No, no, no. We have to push our comfort zone limit step by step if you jump from a to b and then you find it too intimidating then you will hate this kind of job or you can you will hate this kind of change in life you really have to think about your individual first and here's a final tip you have to really really love something be passionate about something try out different things i hope you find it interesting <laughs> okay thanks a lot for this interview jasmine Credits to Professor Ian Holliday, Dr. Elvin Wong, Edward Choi, Lu Xi Fang, and Angeline Chan from Connecting Myanmar. This is my last story on The Buzz, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for the advice. University students out there, don't waste your time like I did. <laughs> now, after listening to our story, you should be well equipped to starting your own NGO. Good luck with us. <laughs> now let's switch to something more local and more relevant. Yep, and to put things into perspective, Yanni has compiled a list of numbers to help you understand how serious the problem of trash is in Hong Kong. So, to start off, number one, we have... Hong Kong produces 6 million kilograms of trash every day. Wow. And that's the equivalent of 740 double-decker buses. And 3 million 13-inch MacBook Pros. Wow. <laughs> and 16 million cans of Coca-Cola. Hong Kong is really pretty good at this. <laughs> now, <laughs> number two. According to government statistics, our three landfills would be full by 2020. And don't think that's a long time away because we'd only be 30 by then. I kind of want to think that 30 is still far away from us. <laughs> Lastly, Hong Kong homes produces half of the total waste and only 14 to 16 percent of our domestic waste is recycled. So that's the area that we need to work on. Policy makers hear that out. Usually we're going to rely on government 
policy or plans to deal with the trash problem. But actually, I've talked to two trash lovers, and they're all engaging themselves in kind of community-based and unconventional ways to help with the waste recycling problems. Trash lovers? I can't wait to hear their stories. Despite the scary statistic, I tracked down people in Hong Kong who have a burning passion for trash. They are people who are working every day trying to solve Hong Kong's trash problems. First, Vivian from Ecos, the first company in Hong Kong to sell upcycled products, and also now involves directly in the process of upcycling, which is a new initiative in the design world to add value to a piece of trash. I also met up with Josh from HK Recycles, a newly established and popular social enterprise that provides a weekly door-to-door pickup service of your recyclable trash for $25 a week. But why pay $25? You may ask. Why don't I just put them into the city's many recycle bins myself? But I guess the real question here is: Will you? The popularity of HK Recycle Service, with roughly 250 subscribers now in half a year, shows that it's hard for Hong Kong people to do so. For those few Hong Kong lazy people out there um, that wants to recycle, um, use our service. A lot of people they actually care about recycling, they care about the environment, but they just don't have the time. So for HK Recycles, um, we provide a service where We can collect your recyclables right at your doorstep. So we want to make this as seamless, as automated as possible. That is very considerate, HK Recycles. But what's also interesting about them is that they're community-based and bottom-up. They're for profit and also for a big cause, which stands apart from government-led campaigns. Because the fact that I have a background in social entrepreneurship, I really believe in the power of uh, business. If you think you're only paying for getting your trash recycled, you're wrong. HK Recycles also employs people who find it difficult to get a job, such as autistic people, ex-convict, and former drug addicts. Seeing this happen, you know, in real life, actually inspires me a lot because we're making a difference not only in the Hong Kong environment, making it more sustainable, but also making a difference in the lives of you know the people that we employ. HK Recycles is really popular in the first few months after the launch, but there are still a lot of challenges. Josh told me that they know it and they're working on it. Um, but we have encountered a lot of problems as a lot of people have a different, you know, mindset and they feel that you know collecting recyclables are actually dirty or you know it's actually more of like collecting trash. So a lot of people don't really want to do this job. British Carrier Cycles also struggle to reach locals, with expats taking up 85% of their subscribers. Their service also only covers selected areas on the Hong Kong island for now. While HK Recycles is out there trying to take down the amount of trash getting sent to landfills, Ecos is well aware that upcycling is not going to solve our trash problem. It's about education and teaching people to see trash in a different light. To be aware that the trash that you throw out and then not think about anymore is actually valuable material. Back then, I was a student actually, and I work here as a sales. I found myself very motivated to tell the story behind to the customers, and、um, 
the process is very meaningful. And what I found I'm working is like a it's like a mission for me to tell everyone around me、um, that actually we have to do something to save the earth. Now these upcycled goods are expensive. A handbag made from the pulled tabs of soda cans costs up to two thousand Hong Kong dollars. Buying handbags made from trash for that price? Can you imagine? You have to、um, collect like one thousand pull tabs to make a bag. People may think that oh, why not produce a new leather or a new fabric to make it? And、um, you can't. Uh, imagine it's made of that material. When you look into it, and then you will be like, "Oh, wow! Oh, it's made of recycled pool tab, or it's made of paper," and、um, that's amazed the people. With both upcycling and recycling, Vivian reminds us that it is not only about using recycled materials. There are also other standards and criteria involved as well. If you have to make a new product and you produce a lot of ways to make that eco products, that doesn't mean eco, right? Sustainable uh, concepts. Uh, it's like an add value thing for them. I think you really have to study more about how sustainable, how eco it is, and how much they have worked on it. For example, I think there are a lot of organic cotton clothes in the market. And I will study the little notes in the uh, uh, inside the T-shirt, and to see if it's really equal. Vivian is mainly in charge of Eco's marketing operations, but at times she also doubles up as a trash collector. She shares one surprising source of trash that HKU students are guilty of as well: banner materials. You can see there are. Or in Hong Kong, it's really many banner materials, trash every day is producing, and、um, because it's a、uh, the problem is the production of banner is really cheap comparatively, like one hundred thirty-five dollars for one banners, and、uh, to produce one、uh, is cheaper than to reuse one. So why not produce one in the concept of business? If you liked my trash talk with Ecos and HK Recycles, check out Ecos store at Chimsa Chairs the One. And if you want to help out with HK Recycles, consider joining them as a summer intern. Send your resume to contact at hkrecycles.com. Remember though that you bear the risk of being called a garbage collector, just like how Josh's friends called him. But like with Josh, the experience could also amaze you with the power of business. This experience has been tremendous. You know, it's easy to go to big companies, get a nice salary, but if you really want to understand how to run a business from the bottom up, you know, how to develop a business, you know, joining a startup would definitely be great. It's actually good to hear that we still have some trash lovers in Hong Kong, seeing as. Our environmental issues and policies seem so neglected by not only the government but also the general public, and it's definitely a good thing to see that someone is trying so hard out there to change our mindset on some problem as serious as this one.
yeah, and especially I remember talking to Josh, and he keeps emphasizing that he's just doing his part. Yeah, I so, guess we should all do ours. Yeah. Now we have come to the very end of our last episode, and I want to take the moment here to talk about my experience on the bus. The most memorable parts are definitely working with Jasmine. She's always very ready to give me great ideas on how to develop my stories and how to and what other angles to explore. So thanks for that, seriously. <laughs> and also thanks for recommending me fun <laughs> blogs to read while we're working. Now I remember why it always takes us so long to do one episode. Thank you, Jasmine. <laughs> well, um, for me, I think um, Bon and Wednesdays and the buds in particular is definitely a very time-consuming <laughs> and stressful project to work on as we edit and produce each episode but I guess in the whole it's it's definitely a good experience a very good challenge for us right before we graduate as we you know as we work in pairs as we work in groups we share our ideas and we help each other to edit and Yanni has been I've been very lucky since <laughs> Yanni is always so full of ideas when I'm not yeah. <laughs> so she's actually a really good influence on me and I'm so glad that I finally got to work with her oh thank you thank you Bonham Wednesdays <laughs> yeah thank you Bonham Wednesdays <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed our stories in the past few weeks we have the first one on zombies kung fu and chain stores the second one on toilets and, and protest. protest and finally this one so if you like our episodes go back to soundcloud or log on to our website bonhamwednesdays.com or our facebook bonham wednesdays or our twitter bonham wets yes which is bonham wednesdays without the without the stays <laughs> <laughs> yes so until then, we hope you will see us again on a different media platform sometime oh. soon. <laughs> I am Yanni Chen. And I'm Jasmine. Don't forget us. Thank you. And we actually don't want to say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, let's keep this on. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> don't end. <laughs> don't end. <laughs> don't. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. The buzz. Fun, upbeat, and relevant. Brought to you by Bonham Wednesdays.